<sighs> All right. Oh, bam. You started with that bam. epic sigh again. One deep sigh and off we go. That's what triggers it. Hello, I am Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we try to make today make sense. Or you know what? No, we will make today make sense. I have confidence in us. I believe. Emphasis on the try, the belief. Who knows? I'm Kai Rizdahl. Thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, on the YouTube live stream, uh, on the Discord as well, the podcast, of course, for Economics on Tap. Uh, today, we're going to do the news fix uh, and then do a little half full, half empty uh, with Drew. Uh, and uh, and I think we'll make our customary swing by the bar. Kimberly, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm being relatively easy today. I just have scotch, but I think I poured a touch too Ooh. much, so I'm worried I'm going to get through it. I'm not going to try to get through it all in this 15-minute well, podcast. You should try it. But, it, would, it, would be, it would be a much more entertaining podcast if you did. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to be doing that and right, when these enough. things live on the internet forever. Uh, what about you? Yeah, they do. That's true. So for the third week in a row, uh, I'm having ice water in a copier glass because I'm going to get my booster shot, my bivalent booster, in about 45 minutes, and I figure best not to show up, uh, you know, with a beer or two in me, just, you know, to be responsible about that. Yeah, and I hope you've given yourself like a window to rest afterwards. I got a warning. I guess was it was it Juan Carlos? I think who told me the other day that he was really struggling in the aftermath. And so after I got mine, I just like yeah. cleared the evening and just went to bed. <laughs> so so here's the thing. Um, I'm going to be traveling a lot in the next month, and I wanted to get it early. And my we are taking my son to college tomorrow. Son number three goes to college tomorrow. And all I have to do is sit on an airplane, so I figured that'd be okay. But then, of course, we invited my mother-in-law and my sister and my brother-in-law over for dinner for goodbye, so I'm dealing with that. So, yeah, there's not going to be. It's uh, If I get whacked, I get whacked, you know? Better safe than sorry. All you can do right. is, yeah. is do your best. Yeah. All right, shall we? All right, you yes, go first. Yes, let's do the news. Uh, so okay. I have more on the sort of reacts to the death of Queen Elizabeth. You know, I was thinking about yesterday where I was talking about people's responses online and sort of the complicated back story and, and the way that people are reacting to it. And it's been so interesting to watch the complete and total disconnect between media coverage of her death and the way that the UK is responding and what social media is doing, particularly social media from the vast majority of the world that has been formerly colonized by Britain. And I have to say people's meme game is quite strong. Um, and yesterday I referred to it as some of it being disrespectful. What I probably should have said was unkind um, because a lot of it is very unkind. But when you say something like disrespectful, and there's been a lot of discourse about this uh, online today, you know, there's a bit of a, of a judgment call of whether or not someone is deserving of respect. And there are a lot of people out there today and yesterday saying that this is somebody who ran a country that was, well, not ran a country, but was the, you know, head of state for a country that was committing major atrocities throughout the world. And so then to ask people from those countries and communities that were damaged by that to be respectful is a lot. Um, and so it's it's been very fascinating to watch. There was one story in Vice specifically that I want to point to where the initial reaction, what was trending in India, was a request to give back 
this massive diamond that the royal family has held on to for generations that they took from India. And they're like, that's ours. Please, now that the, the queen is dead, please give it back. There have been calls to use this moment as a time to end the monarchy. And I, this is probably the first time that I have linked to an academic article as my uh, news fix. But there's a 2018 piece by Mark Lamont Hill that was, um, I'm trying to remember where it was published, but we, we linked to it. And mm-hmm. it's, the title is Thank You Black Twitter, State Violence, Digital Counterpublics, and Pedagogies of Resistance. And it's about how because of social media, we now have these counter narratives to the main narrative that is perpetuated by media, which is often controlled by the group that is the majority of the group that is in power. And so you have the BBC and a lot of the major news networks talking about the good things about Queen Elizabeth's reign, of which there are many. Um, But then these counter narratives that are able to exist and flourish online, many of them brutal, um, just like epic, brutal, um, but really reflecting the pain and anger and generations of frustration of these various communities. And it's been really fascinating uh, t- to watch and observe. So, You know, I th- so that's an interesting segue to uh, my item. So, so first mm-hmm. of all, uh, yes to all of that. But also, uh, it's a phenomenon that would not have been able to exist, right? This this mm-hmm. pushback and this vocalization of of uh, a counter narrative that you talked about, without online access and media and social networks, yeah. right? It just it just it wouldn't have been able to exist. And especially Which smartphones is, in the developing world, that's yeah, a huge part yeah, of for it. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Um, and so the item in the Wall Street Journal that I saw yesterday, which, uh, in on, all honesty, I was, I was prompted to bring to this conversation by something that you had on tech Monday, Tuesday, and I'm sorry, I don't really recall cause it was 4:43 in the morning, but okay, it, the anyway. end of the interview was that, that social media's business model, which relies on advertising and data mining and harvesting and in some ways engendering dissent and agitation uh, is tainted somehow. It's it's doomed to failure, right? I think actually what she said was broken business model. I don't remember. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a woman. Okay, right. She said it's a broken business model. So mm-hmm. there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, and I will just read you the opening graph. Meta Platforms Incorporated, which is of course parents' Facebook company, has disbanded its responsible innovation team, which was once a prominent piece of its effort to address concerns about the potential downsides of its products. Now it was it was two dozen or so engineers. Uh, and others who work with product teams and all that to think about how their products, their offerings might be uh, detrimental to society. And I think it's telling that um, the company has decided to disband this team um, even after the 2020 elections and even after all of the that Facebook has been through and brought us all through in the last five to 10 years. Um, They know that what they're doing is bad for this country and for society globally, but they keep doing it and it makes me crazy. What incentive do they have to not? There have None. Been no, no, exactly. That's right. That yes. are actually meaningful to their bottom <clears throat> line. Um, 
legal challenges have pretty much failed. They've gotten army of lawyers yep. the size of small countries. They can throw at anyone oh, yeah. who comes against them. And so until we have totally. better structures to confine right. or regulate it, and I mean, Amy Klobuchar, Senator Amy Klobuchar was, <laughs> as I think Punchbowl News said, visibly frustrated at the stalling out right. of yet another tech regulation bill in the Senate that looks like it's not going to get yeah. a vote uh, before they get hardcore into midterms when nothing gets done. And so done. I don't want to like go back to the trope of Congress gets nothing done because they do. But this has been one of those sticking points where it's weird because there's bipartisan agreement that something yeah. needs to be done and yet the just volumes of lobbying dollars and interest at right. play has really stalled this out and it's been really yeah. um, fascinating to watch. Yeah, it, uh, by fascinating you mean somewhat disheartening, right? You know? Y yes and no. I, I, I mean, it is disheartening, but also not because the fact that we know it's happening means that it is being revealed. And when we know something is happening, that then gives people the power and the autonomy and the knowledge to then counter it and to do something if they don't like it. And so the fact that we know this much lobbying money is flowing from the tech industry to try to limit regulation that might be more beneficial to the general public, the fact that we know that that's happening means mm -hmm. that we as a public can decide if we're okay with that or decide if we want right. to counter it. So right. that's my attempt to right. find optimism there. No, okay. Uh, before we, we move on to full-on optimism and hopefully half full things, I can't let the week pass without talking about this horrifying and astonishing story out of Las Vegas. Oh, where crazy? it's a crazy story. It's 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 devastating. That that is disheartening. So there is a journalist in or there was a journalist, God bless, was, yeah. um, a journalist for the Las Vegas Review Journal, Jeff German, who was fatally stabbed, and it the su the prime suspect in his murder is the Clark County Public Administrator Robert Tellis, who mm -hmm. they've arrested and he's mm -hmm. being held without bail. They found his DNA at the crime scene, as well as they believe um, particles from his clothing. This Jeff German was reporting on the local government, right. something that I should say is extraordinarily hard to do in this media environment. There's very little funding for local media. There's very little support for local media. And you have private equity buying out local newspapers and making it incredibly difficult to do this sort of public service journalism on a local level, uncovering misdeeds by public officials. And here's somebody who was doing it, and he was literally, yep. potentially, allegedly, murdered by the person he was covering. And obviously, innocent until proven guilty. That's super important. But I am going to be following this so closely. And Hart goes out to his family, but also his colleagues who have to report on this story in as fair yeah. a way as they possibly can, which has got to be challenging. Um, but 
you know, if you can, just shout out to the local journalists. Please support your local news outlets. What the work that they're all doing really matters. So that's my thing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, now right. a drink and a game. Regular listeners to this podcast know what's coming next. It's a game called Half Full, Half Empty, a game hosted by Drew Jostad. Drew, you may begin. All right. Are you half full or half empty on watching J. Powell explainers on TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) You should explain this one. I I had a woman named Kyla Scanlon on Marketplace this week. She has built an amazing uh, TikTok following by doing macroeconomic explainers in like 45 to 60 seconds. And she has, I think you could just say, a distinctive style. It was an amazing interview. It runs about like eight and a half minutes. It's on the Marketplace homepage, and I'm sure that uh, we're going to put it on our show page. Well worth a listen. I'm I'm totally half full. She's doing God's work because if she's targeting 25 to 29-year-olds, which is her core audience, and they're getting the message, then amen, truly. I was very entertained by the interview, so I'm going to yeah, go all the way great. full. I think that w- she was yeah. delightful, and I love that yeah. you basically begged our company to hire her. <laughs> oh, I know. I know, right? Anybody listening? Anyway, next. Next? All right, Kimberly's going to have to help me out with this one. Uh, are you half full or half empty on the algorithm that decides who gets a kidney? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So this was a story that we did on Marketplace Tech about different ways of making algorithms ethical. And you may or may not know this. I did not know this. But there is literally an algorithm that when an organ, a kidney becomes available to from a donor, um, an algorithm decides who should be up first to get it. Straight on a hugely emotional, moral, life or death decision that's being decided by a computer. But the way that algorithm was designed was done with community input, with input from donors, with inputs from recipients and their family. And we interviewed an author who was basically talking about the way that this came about over the course of decades could potentially be a model for how to make AI more ethical. There are a lot of problems with the organ donation system. We've covered some of them on various marketplace shows, including tech. Um, but this has been this was really interesting, and I'm gonna go um, half full. Uh, they mentioned the, the author mentioned that basically there used to be like a, when dialysis machines first came out. It was literally something that could save people's lives, but they only had a few. So they had to decide Mm. who would get to live and who would get to die. So they made this like team of like people from the community, including like a member of the clergy, a housewife, um, you know, just a business person, all these people who were anonymous, but who got to decide who would live and die. And... Mm. That was one way to do it, and it turns out they, you know, preference certain people over others, as you can imagine. Um, so an algorithm, I mean, mm. it's it's complicated. There's never going to be a good answer, but for this, I'm going to go half full. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah mentioned, like, on the early days of the pandemic yeah. with ventilators in the YouTube chat. Right. Like, right. hate to be in that position. Yeah, super interesting. Wait, did you say half full or half empty? I did. I said what you said. Half full. It was a super okay. interesting interview. Yeah. All right. 
Half full or half empty on the outlook for China's economy under zero COVID policy. Oh, God, really shaky. I mean, they're locking down cities all over the place again, right? Parts of Shanghai, parts of Shenzhen, Chengdu, which is a big tech manufacturing hub. Um, really problematical. Uh, it's, um, I'm half empty on the prospects because I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Half and there's empty. no sign, by the way, that Xi Jinping is going to get over it, so... You're out of water. Must be toasty in there. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know. All right, let's speed well, it up. Although apparently we have remnants, we have remnants of a tropical storm coming to Los Angeles, which is a new thing for us. Seriously. What else? Are you half full or half empty on the more ominous features of the new Apple Watch and iPhone? <laughs> what What are the ominous been- features? <laughs> So this was in the, uh, I don't know if it was in the Make Me Smart newsletter or the Daily newsletter. So Apple had its big rollout this week of all of its new features for the iPhone and the Apple Watch and AirPods and all these things. And basically half the features of the new Apple Watch were like, here is how it is going to save your life in the midst of terror and abject destruction. Very apocalyptic. Like, you know, you and I have talked multiple times about the fall alert feature and how useful it could be for parents and and older relatives and things. But now they're like, you know, if you're in a plane crash or stuck in a trash compactor or all of these other awful things your Apple Watch can save you. And I have to say I'm very interested in this sort of Apple Watch Ultra that can do all of these extreme sports because it helps me, like, manifest in my brain the fantasy of me actually doing extreme sports, (laughs) which I probably (laughs) won't. But... (laughs) So uh, people were commenting in various articles and think pieces about how it sounded like Apple was sort of playing on the fears of people's apocalyptic, you know, worries in here's why you need an Apple watch to save you from our apocalypse. And, uh, you know, I'm half full. I I thought the features were really cool. I watched the whole thing. (laughs) I I thought I think they are super cool. I'll go half full just because, you know, I'm always good for new gadget for reals. Yeah. For reals. Do you have one? Yeah. I do. Wearing it right now. Wear it every day. I wear it all the oh. time. I love it. Yeah. I don't have one. Yeah. All right. What's next? Half full or half empty on Queen Elizabeth II's picture staying on the currency. Oh, it's not going to. They're going to change it. Yeah, but they're going to change it. They're going to change mean, it. It's not going to stay. Okay. Well, I get. Well, I, I, was, it, was that an I'm opinion question or it, was it a factual question? Yeah, that's a good question. Drew? Drew, right back at you, pal. Put up or shut up. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that Make they the were going to change it. Okay. They always Wait, change it. I, they just haven't changed it in 70 years. I see in the YouTube chat, I vote we put the corgis on the currency. Yeah, I, know. Yes. I love that. Corgis love on that. the currency for the win. Corgis that's on the currency. Take. There we go. I'm going to steal that take. There we go. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's a great place to end. Corgi's on the currency. That is a good place to end. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. All right, that's it for us today. Um, thank you for playing along with us if you were here or listening uh, later on. I am off for a couple of days next week, taking son number three to school. Amy Scott is going to be here. Uh, the pod is back on Monday. And if you have questions you want us to answer for our Wednesday show, which is, of course, what do you want on a Wednesday, we need to know what you want to know. So economy, business, culture, tech, um, send them to us. 
Yeah, and we will try to answer them on the show to the best of our ability, mainly to the best of Marissa's availability because she's the one who knows all things. (laughs) And you can email those questions to us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. That's our email address. You can also call us and leave us a voice message. Our number is 508-827-6278. That's 508-EUB-SMART. Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Today's episode was engineered by Drew Jostad. The senior producer is, of course, Bridget Bodner. The team behind the YouTube live stream and our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg and Emily McCune with theme music written by the wonderful Drew Jostad. And our director of On Demand is Donna Tam. And it looks like at L1, the I guess is... They played a game on Spotting Jasper, so congrats at L on the YouTube channel. Oh, that's chat. too funny. That's too funny. <laughs> here's, Good for that. here's more treats for Jasper. For Keeping themselves entertained, there I guess, during the podcast. <laughs> man. Oh, boy. Man, oh, man. Cat's more popular than me. <laughs> John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.